Welcome to Hormone Health Podcast, brought to you by Georgia Hartman and Chloe Sheehan. This podcast is an extension of Hormone Health Studio, which is our naturopathic clinic based here in Newcastle and online. We're just two naturopaths who love a laugh, coffee, croissants, and conversations about real people with real health concerns. Nothing's off limits. We're here to educate you on what's happening in your body, share emerging research, and debunk buried health misconceptions. So sit back and let us do the talking. Here we are again, Chloe. I know, we've made it this far. (laughs) Proud of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Each week you say, you know, I've got so many follicles. I'm so proud of myself. Yeah. Next week I rode up a hill. I'm so proud of myself. Today it's just getting through the week. I'm so proud of myself. I'm actually happy to get through this week. It's probably one of the shittest weeks I've ever had. Why? Well, it's it's so (laughs) it started off by me coming into work and I was like psyching myself up in the car and I was like, okay, you're not going to cry. You're not going to cry. And then I was like, morning, Georgia. You're like, hey, how are you? I was like, "Ah." (laughs) but sometimes I'm laughing. It's not shocking. I just know you were there. You know, it was we can laugh about it because we can just. Yeah. You know, if one of us is crying, it's something's happening Mm. but it's therapeutic i'm glad i got it out and i feel better for it good and i got a parking fine amazing congrats i had a how much 120 not bad and i immediately called will and he was like okay so this is what we're going to do we're going to think about it (laughs) in terms of the fact that think of all the times you haven't paid for parking this is just a delayed payment it's a good point yeah it was very practical advice so that's how i'm thinking about it and I had a specialist appointment as well. And, you know, you always like show face and hold mm-hmm. it together. And then after it, I just like had a little cry. So I think I've got all my cries out. Mm. And if not, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Has there been anything positive this week? I mean, your parking fine could have been worse. Hmm. Will's also left for Hong Kong. So is that a positive or is that no, contributing it's a to negative. the negative? Yeah. Um, it's the longest you've been away from each other. Yeah, well, this will be it. Ten days, which sounds ridiculous. But I think it's like when you're so used to having somebody there, even if you're not speaking or doing mm. anything, it's like you've just got that somebody yeah. there. And then being in a house all alone, it's quite isolating. Um, but I'm re-watching Sex Education on Netflix his name Otis Otis I know I hope not Otis I like he's great yeah it's actually so good I just have it in the background yeah lots of sex going on for teenagers it's just a little weird (laughs) (laughs) just noise now all of a sudden you don't mind being home alone yeah oh okay (laughs) what about your week uh how's my week been uh good Otto's been cooking um family (laughs) pretty much start them young it's yeah it's gross isn't it actually now that you think about it no we do like wash hands beforehand but um yeah no this week he made some chicken schnitzels and these oat uh i made like oat cookie muffin things for preschool how were they shit but (laughs) because um there can't be any nuts you know you can have eggs but you can't have nuts at this preschool so 
I find that hard. Like, I think I always just, like, put nut butter on rice cakes or... When in doubt, nut butter. Yeah. And so I, you have to get creative. Moments before I included him in on the cooking, though, he was, like, throwing stuff at my face. Like, he just throws and kicks. I think I said in an earlier podcast, like, he's getting so much better. He doesn't kick and throw anymore. I lied. I clearly <laughs> lied. He just, he just constantly needs to have an activity. So I was like, great, we're cooking dinner. Come and help. I put a video up on my TikTok, actually. It's it's actually really cute, that video. But if you had the original sound, you'd be like, oh, no, mate, no, no, don't, no. Get your hands out of that. But <laughs> just put an audio track over it. <laughs> I did. I put this nice song and it yeah. looks like really wholesome. Um, That's like me cooking with Will. Is it? Yeah. Who's who? I'm Gordon Ramsay. Okay, so Will's, you're Otto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm the I'm the head chef. That's also Otto. Oh, okay. (laughs) That is also Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. The three of you are one. Yeah. Um, But we also made these oat cookie things, right? Mm -hmm. And I just, I didn't follow a recipe. I just threw it together. So I just put in, I put in a couple of eggs. I put in some buckwheat flour, psyllium husk, oats, (laughs) honey. Yeah. And mixed berries. Yep. Disgusting. (laughs) What a glop. It was a, a little bit. Yeah, but in saying that, it was actually quite dry. You'd think it would have been more... A gloopy dryness. Yeah. Anyway, they rose and everything. Like, they looked good yeah. in the oven. And then I got them out and I tasted them. And, you know, I gave Otto one at the same time. I said, what do you think? And in my mind, I'm thinking, these are disgusting. He's not going to eat these. He goes, oh, yum. Oh, bless him. <laughs> he would have just, like, loved that he made it and, like, be yes. a part of it. Yes. So yeah. this is the trick to get your kids to eat food is to get them involved. So this week we are talking all about libido and more specifically libido through the life cycle in a female body and how the impact of hormones can impact one's libido. And before we get into it, I wanted to talk about an interesting research paper from last year, which found that low libido has become the number one sexual concern for Australian adults, surpassing body concerns. What do you have to say on that? Yep. Tick. Me too. Yeah. Actually both. Both. Okay. (laughs) Don't laugh. <laughs> you just said before this, you're like, I think I giggle when I'm... Yeah, it's like an anxiety thing yeah. or like lack of confidence or something. I just laugh my way through life. Well, I'm not here to therapize you. I'm here for the stats. But interesting. I actually wouldn't be surprised at that. Like we see a lot of people experience yeah. low libido. And like, what is libido? That's, you know in terms of it can mean a lot of different things to different people and so I guess this podcast today this episode today we are going to be discussing what libido is and how especially hormones and different phases of our hormones through our life can impact one's libido let's jump into it so libido is described as a person's desire for pleasure or sexual activity with themselves or other people so there are many things that can affect our desire or for arousal and that can range from like biological reasons social reasons and um, psychological factors too plus hormonal and you know the interesting thing there is that often when i speak to people about libido they're like they categorize it as like penetration or something you know and it's like well hang on what i'm saying is that it's more 
pleasure, you know, like, and, and pleasure can be experienced in many different ways. Exactly. And it's not just, just because you've got low libido or just because you're not having penetrative sex that you've got low sex. <laughs> that you have low libido i think it's it's so much more than that and until we're having those conversations and and maybe what your you describe as libido um, versus what i describe as it i think we can yeah start that conversation yeah interesting so maybe let's talk about the menstrual cycle and libido and how libido can change Mm -hmm. throughout the menstrual cycle yeah, great. Let's um, before we go into the menstrual cycle. Okay. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, but let's not start I am there. The captain now. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to give a little recap about what hormones are because we talk a lot about okay, hormones can influence this, it can influence that. But essentially, hormones are our chemical messengers that are secreted from the brain to help our organs communicate with one another one another Mm -hmm. so take for example our pituitary gland um, which is in our brain that secretes hormones such as thyroid stimulating hormone Mm -hmm. which sends a message to our thyroid to produce adequate thyroid hormone and we've got a lot of our hormones secreted from our brain that communicate with our ovaries and that will give us things like estrogen progesterone which impact or can impact our libido yeah and it's interesting when you compare like how male hormones work versus female hormones work and you just see the huge fluctuations of female hormones throughout the cycle in menstruating women yeah because for men male typically have one hormonal surge which is in the morning and it's testosterone Mm -hmm. and uh, i think i was explaining it at that talk recently that it's it's almost notable when there's an increase in testosterone in the morning that's like (laughs) what did i call it morning wood that is so like (laughs) old of me to say that (laughs) what would you call it so dirty chloe you're so dirty i don't know it's not something i often talk about (laughs) really if you did have to what would you call it I really don't know why stick came to mind. <laughs> I, th- I think that's my postnatal depletion and lack of an ability to think of stick nouns. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All I got. Okay. Stick. <laughs> I don't want you on any. Different. Two letters different. I don't want you on any of my trivia teams. Um, so in a female menstrual cycle, during your period, hormones are quite baseline. That's mm-hmm. why people can tend to feel better in terms of mood changes or Mm -hmm. other things because their hormones are baseline that's what causes that period to initiate Um, and so in the lead up to ovulation you have an increase in estrogen think about that fertile window or that time just before you're ovulating it's almost like your peacock phase it's a time where your body is preparing to mate essentially um and so those biological changes are getting your ready getting your body ready to release an egg for fertilization and some symptoms that people may get during this time due to the high estrogen are going to be increased arousal um feeling better in terms of their physical image body Mm -hmm. confidence um easier sort of lubrication and arousal isn't it so interesting that you can have a better body image hormonally just you know? from your hormones just from your hormones yeah yeah and we're going to talk about this when we get to the postpartum bit yeah and also you we do around ovulation also have a, a an increase in testosterone but for women it's mainly that estrogen hormone that can give us those changes interesting um 
and then after you ovulate you know this is again when we're talking about hormones hormones are a piece of the puzzle in a thousand piece puzzle that's your libido Mm -hmm. so yes some people may feel an influence but some people might find that they have increased libido just before their period um during their period there's no right or wrong here When we're talking to somebody about their menstrual cycle and how it may impact their libido, there's some questions that we would typically ask is, is your cycle regular? Is it within 25 to 35 days? Are you getting signs and symptoms of ovulation? And physical symptoms such as bloating, pain, breast tenderness, acne even. And then you've got emotional cycle symptoms too, such as mood changes, teariness. That can all play a big role mm. in how you experience libido. Mm-hmm. Same with medications, right? There's certain medications that people take that can affect their libido and perhaps they don't even know that that's what's causing it to be low. Yeah, so in terms of the pill and the libido and libido, people, you know, really... The libido. The libido. (laughs) um, People think, okay, well, is it impacting my libido? And I think when we're talking about the research with this the oral contraceptive pill has actually been shown to reduce clitoral volume reduce frequency of intercourse um, or has found that the users have had a frequent uh, reduced frequency of intercourse um, reduced frequency of orgasm and increased pain with intercourse so interesting actually tell everyone about the sweaty shirt study Yeah, which is so fascinating. It's actually called the Sweaty Shirt Study. And the sort of essentials of it is that um, researchers found that when people do start to take the oral contraceptive pill, um, their smell changes uh, because they're they're more inclined to choose a smell from a person that is more genetically similar to them, whereas, whereas people who are off the pill will find someone more attractive with a smell who has genetic dissimilarities which is what we actually want when mating with somebody <laughs> what's the word <laughs> why am i saying mating I so know. much like, i've gone like, like real prehistoric you have morning wood <laughs> morning mating wood. i like it other medications too like antidepressants we see so many people taking anti-anxiety antidepressant medications and experiencing low libido so you know it's not to say stop taking these medications. It's, you know, if they're working for you, then that's fine. But just to consider it, if you're experiencing low libido, the question is what could be contributing? And also I think it's important to talk about the fact that some people may experience low libido in the pill. And conversely, the pill is the most used contraceptive method in Australia. And that's been around since around the 1960s. And it has been an amazing new thing for women to give them back their sexual autonomy and be able to Mm. um, have sex with somebody and not have that fear of falling pregnant Mm. and for some people that can be really that can really increase their desire and Mm. their libido knowing that they can engage in an activity without risks Mm, they have liberty exactly shall we talk about libido and pregnancy yeah, so I am only going to go off like what people have said. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, you hear from people that they find an increase in libido around that sort of second trimester. Mm. And there can be a few reasons for that. One being that there is 
an increase in estrogen you have maybe finished up that first trimester that was causing you you know to feel nauseous or to feel like low energy and also in that second trimester there's going to be an increase in blood flow and pressure to that sort of genital Mm -hmm. area which can make arousal increased yeah so interesting anything you want to say on that point look with the diagnosis of premature ovarian insufficiency i can't remember the stat but i've i've researched this and i am like i really should look the stat up it's like five times or ten times more likely to have a low libido than someone without premature yeah. ovarian insufficiency so i'm the wrong person to ask yeah and and you know i think through all of this what we're saying is that there's no way that you should feel throughout these phases it's more just what some people can experience yeah exactly and just taking into consideration how anatomy changes and how hormones change and the influence that that has on libido you know what's really interesting talking outside of hormones for a moment um whilst we're talking about other influences that may you know having a have an influence on your libido um there's one study that found that if household tasks are divided more equitably there now we're is, talking now yeah. okay this is my language there is more satisfaction within the relationship and the woman partner desires sex more and we've heard people refer to that as chorgasm chorgasm i like i think maybe if i were to put myself in any category <laughs> You're in the <laughs> I would be in the chorgasm category. But like it makes complete sense. And, you know, when I talk about this with my clients, I'm not saying it's like, oh, you find someone vacuuming sexy. It's the fact that you're. No, in fact, it's not efficient. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's saying that your partner is wanting to contribute to a task that's going to make it easier for you and Mm -hmm. i really think that and i'm speaking broadly here for women that sort of whole foreplay is from a a real 12 hour or 24 hour thing it's like (laughs) whatever happened in the morning all throughout the day communications until that point of potentially engaging in intimacy that is because we're like ovens right for anyone that doesn't know what i'm referring to you'll have to go back to an earlier episode but we're like ovens like it just takes time takes time for us to heat up and to get hot versus males who Fry are pan. like frying pans so yeah i think hormones small component of this but still influential um pregnancy uh, you know again i think there's a lot of different hormone surges um happening during that time but i think postpartum postpartum's a really interesting time yeah. for um for a female in terms of getting back into it because after you give birth you experience one of the biggest drops in hormones that you will ever experience or that anyone will ever experience mm-hmm. that decrease in um in estrogen is like pms on steroids mm-hmm. and so you know, there's a lot of sort of stigma and an interesting chat around that time of when should you go back to engaging in penetrative sex or um, or should I still don't feel like it or when should it sort of happen? Yeah, and I think going back to you saying, uh, you know, that you go through one of the biggest hormonal shifts and oestrogen dropping in particular, mm-hmm. circling back to you saying about body image and how oestrogen levels can affect you know how you see yourself and your own body confidence and body image 
for sure that plays a huge role postpartum but so does like I've got a whole list of things that <laughs> So I've been taking notes throughout my last few years of parenthood on all of the factors that I think that are affecting my libido. And aside from body image, because obviously your body changes, you've got physical and emotional recovery, potentially postnatal anxiety, depression, depletion, just feeling exhausted. Yes, hormonal things like low estrogen and high prolactin, particularly if you're breastfeeding. Vaginal dryness, which some people do experience whilst breastfeeding. Yes, and also just feeling like overstimulated. Um, But also, you know, we have increased oxytocin levels once you give birth, and that's what attaches us to our babies. It's the hormone we produce after orgasm as well, right? It's Right, but postpartum, it's interesting because... While you have these increased oxytocin levels, which makes you attached to your baby, you don't necessarily feel attached or romantic or sexually interested in your partner. Mm. Well, the job's done. (laughs) (laughs) And there was this interesting study that showed that mums who spend all day with their children produce more cortisol than 98% of the world's paying professionals. Mic drop. Honestly. So just the stress of parenthood Keeping alone. little kids alive. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Hey. So heaps of factors, you know. And I'm going to um, put another stat You're here. You're going to stat my stat. I'm going to stat your stat. When we're talking about postpartum as well, there can be in terms of you're mentioning the physical recovery and people do sometimes as well in cesarean births experience pain when they're trying to engage in in sex again um but when we are talking about painful sex studies suggest that as many as three and four women have pain related to sex at some point of their lives interesting and that's from a gynecologist from um gene hales and you know, they would be seeing that, they would be seeing people who are coming in and how many people would just be putting up with it. Mm. There's a certain amount of people saying, okay, this is uncomfortable, hopefully it will pass and just yes. dealing with it. Often but then, thinking it's like a lubrication problem. Yeah, yep. And, you know, again, that female body, you can still enjoy sex and not produce arousal fluid and vice versa. So I think that's where hormones have a big role in in supporting your body too um, mm. in terms of are you experiencing these symptoms and what's going on looking at it, looking at the whole picture there. Mm. Aside from cesarean too, like things like endometriosis, you can often experience oh, yeah. painful intercourse, which mm-hmm. is interesting because we've spoken a lot about estrogen being really important for libido, but... In endo, we know that that's, you know, an incredibly inflammatory condition driven by estrogen, sure, but it's just so much inflammation. No wonder there's pain. Not only painful intercourse, painful defecation, pelvic pain, period pain, yeah, pain, pain, pain. So whenever I have a client present to clinic saying that they experience pain with intercourse, um, there's a lot of questions that I have in regards to that. How long has it been lasting? Has there been sort of any changes in terms of increased stress, um, in terms of within the relationship, in terms of hormone-wise, different medication? It's really important that we're asking holistic questions in regards to that because we can't just assume that it's just one thing because there's so many things that can influence one's ability to feel pain 
with intercourse mm. and 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 on that as well during your menstrual cycle during ovulation your cervix will sit higher in the vagina um making more room in that vaginal canal and then just before you get your period your cervix is going to sit quite low in the vagina so if people are engaging in intercourse they might find that it feels different th- for them during different phases of their menstrual cycle so interesting what about then during perimenopause yeah, so perimenopause, which we call here in clinic essentially like reverse puberty, mm. your body is unlearning how to ovulate. And that can be a time of high highs and very low lows, mm-hmm. um, really heavy menstrual cycles, um, no periods for a little while. And because you're still ovulating, you're still fertile. So it adds that extra complexity into mm-hmm. that too. Yeah, and things like vaginal dryness are really common yeah and and it may be intermittent because you may go four months or so without a a period and that can cause lower estrogen but then you may have you know three periods within two Mm. months it isn't until you reach the diagnosis of menopause which is 12 months without a period that then people do start to experience those symptoms of low estrogen such Mm. as vaginal atrophy or breakdown of that tissue because it's not doesn't have that same lubrication and I think so much happens during perimenopause and menopause just from like a life perspective you know often you might have kids who are growing up and having adult problems you have aging parents you have potentially a career a mortgage a partner like there's just relationship breakdowns retiring exactly there's just so many balls in the air so to speak (laughs) (laughs) that you know, there's so many factors as to why doesn't libido sound might very be sexy. Doesn't sound sexy at all. But then also in that same message too, people can meet new, like a new, have new relationships yep. during that new time. Release on life. You might hit a point where you finally say, and we've had these conversations recently, is where getting women come in during perimenopause or menopause who have just said enough's enough I've had enough this isn't the life I want to be living you know and sometimes there's the mentality of oh well you make your bed you sleep in it and then they get to a point where they're like oh hang on this is not yeah they don't want to do it anymore this is not what I want to be doing which is I love those conversations it's like yes quit your job leave your partner (laughs) I'm all for it (laughs) just don't you know very nice and comforting way and the thing is when you're working with us as a one-on-one client we do have different things that we can suggest um, in terms of vaginal dryness in terms of heavy periods all of painful periods I think as long as we sort of are collaborating with your primary health practitioner to rule out anything more sinister there's some really good dietary lifestyle herbal and nutritional supplements that we can put in place absolutely absolutely particularly postpartum maybe i say that because i'm in it but so often i'm hearing mums say i'm just so tired i'm you know I'm so touched out i'm so tired i've got mum rage and the last thing they want to do is oh yep yeah, have sex at night totally totally and so there's a lot that we can do to get you feeling better within yourself which will then improve libido i say it a lot of the time the biggest sexual organ is your brain yes yeah true mm. true so true and also i think 
something that we catch ourselves doing is comparing our libido, our current libido to a time when we had the highest libido, you know, when we just started a new relationship Mm -hmm. or, you know, and it's silly because it's like, you you that's not your normal. Mm -hmm. That was a, that was a high time. Mm -hmm. And so what (laughs) is normal is phasic is Mm. when things, you know, you go through highs and lows and Mm. and it's never going to be consistent all the time because there's too many variables. Yeah, so true. So that's a big conversation that I often have with women who particularly are breastfeeding postpartum is that they say, oh, I've got low libido. And you think, far out, you're still breastfeeding. Wait until you stop breastfeeding and are ovulating regularly. I mean, you can still ovulate and get your cycle while breastfeeding but often once you stop breastfeeding and you have these nice regular cycles and you're ovulating and making your own levels of estrogen and progesterone notice a difference yeah it's all phasic this is just the phase that you're in and i think as well bring back the pash bring back the pash i totally agree particularly once you have kids it's like oh yeah don't no stop touching me i think like little kiss yeah it can just be a big kiss i think bring back and i don't know what the kids are calling calling it these days but bring back the pash because sometimes that can be really intimate and really you know it can be the first thing that you can engage in and you can either stop or it can lead to something else but i think it's important to sort of have that connection and go Mm. back to basics with it Mm -hmm. rather than sort of having the end goal being you know penetration yeah or an orgasm penetration penetration so yeah i agree hashtag bring back the past. i think yeah i think we've put a lot of pressure on ourselves to meet some sort of expectation when it comes to libido and it's like well start small you know i don't know what you're going through you could be going through a lot of stress you could have you could be pregnant you could have just had a baby you could be going through perimenopause you could have had pregnancy loss as well exactly and so sex then is scary yeah, talk about that because it's you know it's it's something that you're almost doing to achieve an outcome yeah and you stop because it's just like you've just yeah there's so much emotional influence Mm. in that um can i ask did it take long for the romance to like be taken out of it like how quickly did it become a bit of a chore i think and like i think for me it's it's very much like mentally you've got to prepare yourself say okay i'm in the lead up Mm -hmm. to ovulation you have no other choice but to make it good. You can mm-hmm. choose to make it a chore or you can actually choose to say, well, we're going to do it anyway. Let's mm. really try to make this oh, as enjoyable nice. as possible. Like and then once you ovulate, you're just like, well, I'm on a two-week break. I'm on my annual leave. <laughs> and then you do it all again. <laughs> so I think it's like if you – and it really depends as well because it's so hard when you're trying to conceive. If you have an argument with your partner mm-hmm. but you're ovulating that night, mm-hmm. Honestly, I've thought like, surely there's a different way. Like, put it into like a syringe and mm-hmm. then you'd like mail it to DIY. <laughs> but yeah, so I think a lot of it is that's communication mm. and timing. And yeah, I think that's libido in general, though, is communication and mm. timing. Like, often you just, you know, perhaps something that used to feel good doesn't feel good anymore and if you don't communicate that then you know it's not going to be enjoyable at all for anyone and I think the thing with trying to conceive as well is that when you are having sex to fall pregnant you're still in that hopeful phase you Mm. haven't 
had a well it's not going to work mm-hmm. you're you're hopeful and that can also bring about a spark too um, because it's like maybe this might be the time mm-hmm. and so by the time you know you might get a negative pregnancy test you've got at least a week or so to get over it and to deal with that and then you're like okay I'm ready to go again you are an absolute truth sex demon <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I don't know where Trooper came from. Absolutely, I meant to say sex demon. Where did that come from for me? I've Chloe, been watching too much sex like, education. This is like your stage name, Chloe. Sex demon, sex demon Sheehan. Not very professional. Um, you just do what you got to do. And for us, mm. we want a baby and this is what you've got to do. And so I think a lot of it is your mentality. Mm-hmm. And like we are coming back to conversation, communication, and just saying we are are a team mm. this is a team activity um so you've got to have team players i like that like not that i necessarily want to ask about will's libido but i do and how has do you mean well maybe we journey, can say mm, yeah what your partner we all know his name we all know him now will <laughs> will he listen to this or won't he probably not good because it's quite a personal question has his libido changed since being on this journey he will is so stable and so annoying how stable will is (laughs) he really prioritizes me um and i know that sounds all mushy but he as long as i'm okay he's Mm -hmm. okay he he i'm his priority and i think that that's really comforting for me and so he's very consistent and he checks in with me and if he doesn't sort of understand he'll ask um Mm. and so i think we've been you know i I can totally understand how couples it can be really tough for them and Mm -hmm. they have to take breaks but Mm -hmm. i feel almost like this has brought us together closer really nice and such a shit journey like it's so nice to be able to have a silver lining like that you know like when people go through something tough together they can either come out Mm -hmm. of it stronger make it or break it. yeah exactly and so i really think like we still have a lot of hope well we do we we've we remain very hopeful and we've it's almost like we've just got to ride this wave as cliche as that sounds um but no we're we're a union we're a good team I would say then, you know, there's so many things we can do for libido, looking at hormones, looking at the HPA axis, which is the communication between the brain and the adrenal glands and the HPO axis, the communication. communication between the brain and the ovaries. Yeah. Um, in fact, we see, we've been seeing a lot of males in clinic with mm. erectile mm-hmm. dysfunction or low libido or just like not feeling strong, which has been really interesting. Mentally actually. and physically. Yeah. 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 I And I think, you know, it's it's about saying we can have these conversations. I think the first thing is having a conversation and saying, well, I'm not feeling my normal and let's mm. talk about it. Mm. Um, and I, I would say if there's one thing that we could recommend now to help people improve their libido, Actually, what would you say? Because I know what my answer is. Is this a trick question? I would say that the libido, as I said before, I feel as though my biggest sexual organ would be my brain. Mm -hmm. And in order to feel comfortable and to feel relaxed, I need to get out of a fight or flight. Because Mm -hmm. if your body is... Damn it, we have the same answer. Do we? Okay. (laughs) If your body is armed to either fight or flight 
then there's no way that you're going to have that relaxation component. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's about a lot about nervous system. It's a lot about um, getting your body into that rest and digest Mm -hmm. autonomic autonomic nervous system. And yeah, because it's going to take a little bit. We can't expect it to just happen in Mm -hmm. seconds. Mm -hmm. Stress, 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 stress. If there's one Mm -hmm. thing you can do, it's to look at the stress in your life that's why people say they feel sexy when they drink alcohol because momentarily it's like a reduction in yeah your inhibition what i was saying earlier today about alcohol was that alcohol is like a boundary for us so think if you come home and have a glass of wine when you get home it's not necessarily the taste of the wine that you're after it's the boundary from finishing work that day or whatever you were doing that day and being home Mm -hmm. which I think is such an interesting way to think about alcohol but it's often true right like often if that's how you drink alcohol to kind of calm down it's not necessarily the calming down effect that the alcohol causes it's that you've put something in place that stops you from thinking about work or whatever else you're doing that day it's interesting behaviors and whether or not they're used as self-care or self-indulgence or coping mechanisms Mm. i'm ready for a wine me too (laughs) (laughs) kidding thanks for listening to this week's episode if you liked it leave us a review and follow us on socials we'd love to hear from you